got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! We are live for the Memorial Day episode of On the Line, a college basketball podcast. Um, As you know, we cover college basketball all year long. When you cover college basketball all year long, you get a great assessment of the players. And that's why we're here today. And that's why we're going to be here for the next probably two months or so. um, Analyzing draft prospects, analyzing the draft as a whole, doing mock drafts, as well as just offseason in terms of uh, college transfers and college just draft prospects as well, whether they're coming back, whether they're staying in. Um, So we're going to have all that on this episode. We are going to be covering the big three of this draft, though. Uh, Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, and Chet Holmgren. Uh, I had a chance to see Paolo in person in the Final Four. Very impressive player. Um, Did you get to see Jabari in person at LSU? I believe you did. No, they put on the road at Auburn. Okay, okay. So, but yeah, Jabari, I mean, we watched Jabari, Paulo, and Chet extensively this year. I think uh, bare minimum, I'd say I probably watched Chet the least, and I'd say I'd watched like about 15 to 20 Gonzaga games. So um, we definitely are very familiar with these players. Uh, so, so let's get into it. Um, number one on Ben's board, and I think he's number two on my board, but it, he's really he's really 1B, um, and that's Paulo Bencaro. So let's start with Paulo Bencaro. Um, I think it's, it's definitely safe to say he's the most finished prospect out of all these. Like, I I don't, I don't think that's really close. He's, um, he's someone who's going to come in day one and be able to contribute real NBA minutes and match the size and athleticism and speed of the game day one. Um, he's got a bag for sure. So let's get into his strengths. Ben, what do you think he does well besides everything, but what are some do you think? The first thing I want to say about Paulo is probably with two months left in the season, I didn't have Paulo anywhere close to the top or to number one on my board, at least. His uh, his growth and his maturity showed in those last 15, 20 games showed me a lot of his potential. His vision and his passing really took a huge step forward and really let Duke take a huge step forward as a team. And that's kind of why you saw them make that huge run in the tournament and beat some teams that you really thought were better basketball teams in the tournament. Um, 
you know, he's, he's always been elite in transition there. He, he's always had the NBA ready body. You know, he's always been strong inside. He, he, he's ready for all that, but what really showed me the last 12 games shot 45% from three. He, his assist numbers went way up. He was able to raise the level of his teammates, specifically Jeremy Roach, who got huge confidence boost from him of him always passing it to him with the open shot. I think that's why you saw AJ Griffin stock rise a little bit was Paulo was really sharing the rock and it, it lifted up his whole team. But uh, I don't see a lot of flaws, honestly, in Paulo's game. I think he can do everything pretty well. I don't think he probably has the ceiling as some of these other guys, but you know, he, I thought he was solid on his defense this year. He has a strong chest and he moves his feet really well. And he, uh, he doesn't use his hands to foul on, on drives or down low in the post. I think he's really solid there. His opponents only shot 21% on his ISO defense this season. I know that's playing in the ACC, but that's still a really strong number to go from. Uh, some people don't like his shot. I, I love his shot. I think he has a very, very consistent stroke. He developed a really good rhythm through the end of the year, and uh, I think it showed in his numbers. I think he's going to be a good three-point shooter in the NBA. Uh, he's already got the mid-range shooting, and uh, I think he has great potential in the playmaking. That's that's what really vaulted him to the top of my board. For me, um, the biggest strength and the reason he kind of separates himself from Chet and um, why I've – I've flipped him and Jabari a bunch is he's, he's definitely got the biggest bag out of um, the three of these prospects. And when I say bag, I mean, just overall their ability to score, score the basketball. It's um, you know, the, the amount of moves you have in your suitcase toolbox, whatever the hell you want to say um, that's, that's the further you're going to be able to go as a score. And Paolo's got a bag. Um, he loves that rocker step on the perimeter to get by uh, the fours and fives that just really don't have the athleticism to get into him. So he'll do the rocker step a few times. And then once they start overplaying it, he'll go into the spin, you know, finishes, finishes well with his left as well. And he'll also do some up and unders. He's, he's got a really polished offensive game, uh, both on the post and in the perimeter. So for him to have that, it's, it's extremely rare. And then another big, another big strength for Paolo for me, um, and, and I, I feel bad saying this because it's tough to it's tough to measure this in every guy because some people just play on bad teams, and you can't really measure their competitive nature. But I love Paolo's competitive nature, and that's and that's kind of why I've I've had him at one a lot this year, and you know he's he finished two on my big board, but. I, I just I just love what, what a competitor he is. He is he is always going 110 percent. And you, you also see it I, when I say 110 percent. Obviously, I don't mean like in the game. I just mean like in a big time game, like he's going to he's going to bust his ass. And like that's that's a lot to be said um, just because he doesn't shy away from it. So you can go back to his his tape when he's in high school playing out in Seattle when he was going against Tari Eason. Um, he just, he's a big time player, multi-sport athlete as well. So I love his competitive nature and I don't really have any concerns about him translating to the NBA. Um, I, I'd be more worried about where he lands because that's, that's going to determine his success for me a little bit more. So, so let's get into that. Um, and also we'll, we'll just, we'll just jump into the NBA comp. Um, who's your NBA comp for him? 
obviously these are loosely based. And when we say NBA comp, we, we very much mean just how they overall play. We don't necessarily mean this is what they're going to be. We're not saying that these players are going to be him. Um, it's just, it's more or less their style of play. So continue. Um, Paulo was the hardest for me to nail down with just a couple things. So I kind of went all over the place with Paulo. I said the strength and the inside presence of Chris Weber, just, just his upper body strength and relentless relentlessness to get to the rim. Uh, his mid-range and post-up game reminds me a lot of David West, watching David West, specifically from his New Orleans days. He just has that almost automatic mid-range, post-up, mid-range turnaround jumper that I really like. But he also has this huge playmaking angle and it reminds me a lot of Julius Randle as a big guy who averaged uh, six assists a game in 2020 and 5.5 assists in 2021. Recently, he's taken that huge step for the Knicks. And I think Paulo can really be that kind of guy in the NBA, but he, he has a lot better handle than somebody like Julius Randle. So I think he could be even better. But, uh, you know, the Knicks like to go through him, kind of create their offense. And I think a team could really use Paulo that way as well. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds me of a uh, big dog Robinson, honestly, from from way back in the day. But um, I he's way more athletic than him. So I would say I, I know it's been said a bunch about Paulo. I'd go Blake Griffin, but I think he's a little bit more bouncier than Blake on the perimeter in terms of like getting downhill. I don't think Blake at Oklahoma really got downhill a whole hell lot. It was you know, getting downhill maybe from the foul line and catching lobs and getting out on transition. He didn't really do a whole lot of creation for himself like Paulo does. So, uh, it, like the Blake Griffin, Julius Randle comp, like somewhere in between that, I'd say that's kind of where you have Paulo and his style of play. But in terms of his NBA fit and overall best situation, I honestly don't like if he goes to Houston. Like, I, I, I don't... I think it's going it, to – it's just – it's too many chefs in the kitchen, man. I'm sorry. I don't like it either. Um, I think Jalen Green needs the ball a lot to really flourish. They still have a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. who, who needs the ball. And I like Singoon as a big man uh, playmaker. Honestly, I, I don't like the fit either uh, in Houston. Yeah, it's – I think it's good to have multiple playmakers on your hand, but – I don't I don't know if they have the right mix of who's going to get the ball because Kevin Porter Kevin Porter wants the ball like there there's no doubt about it like Kevin Porter thinks he should get he should get the ball most Julian uh Jalen Green's going to think he he should get the ball most and then you'll have Paulo who's going to come in and I think Paulo's going to He should actually get the ball most. Exactly. I I'd say Paulo should probably out of the three of them I'd say Paulo should get the ball most um cuz I think Jalen Green could be really special as a cutter. Um, he should be used to cutting when he had to play on some of those bad uh, California teams that didn't pass him the ball. Uh, but that's that's another story for another day. Um, the the two fits that I really liked, and, and this was for the lottery, so obviously he won't go to this first team. But the one I really loved was the Pacers. I I, I really liked that matchup with him and Miles Turner, and somebody like Halliburton at the point. Um, I don't hate the fit in Orlando too, though honestly. Um. I think he'd be a good pairing with Wendell Carter and with Franz Wagner. Um, I, I don't. You don't think that. that's too big? No. I, well, 
you can get too big in the NBA since when? That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, true. as long as Wagner and Paulo can both handle the ball, they can they can guard multiple yeah. positions on defense. Um, and we, I just and we think both and we both agree that Paulo's three point shot is going to translate. It's going to uh, translate. He, he's he's got a good stroke. Uh, I'm not worried about that. No, me neither. The two things I'm almost certain of is that his shot's going to translate and his body's going to be ready day one. And uh, he, he's not going to be scared down low. He's a very aggressive player. But I do think he probably needs a ring protecting five. I don't love the prospect of him boxing out bigs. Uh, I don't like like him boxing out Jonas Valanciunas or Rudy Gobert or any of these bigs. I don't love that. But uh, he can switch onto fives and hold his own. But just going up and down the court with fives every single night, I, I'm not sure. I would like a rim protecting five next to him. Yeah, I, I'd say he could mainly guard threes and fours, uh, some small by some some small ball fives. Um, but let's get into uh, my number one player, your number two player. Um, SEC player of the year, I believe, was he? SEC freshman of the year. Um, Probably. The awards go on and on, uh, and that's Jabari Smith. Um, so I'll, I'll start. Uh, his strengths, his jump shot, um, it's just – it's it's an, if, if you were looking at a jump shot, that's how you would want it to look. Um, just it's so smooth. Everything he does is so silky smooth. And um, it, it's kind of funny, like – out of the out of the three prospects, like in terms of just eye test and look, Paulo and Jabari, you're like, well, obviously these guys are like the top two prospects, and then we'll get into the uh, ugly stepchild of the three, Chet, in a second. But J- Jabari's frame is is insane. He's extremely athletic for for that size and just his broad shoulders. I think he can even pack on more weight without like oh, sacrificing speed. And like, and when he does pack on more weight, he, he he's gonna be scary. Um, his his tough shot making is incredible. It's it's not just that he's a three point shooter and he can catch and shoot day one. It's that he's gonna be able to just get guards switched on him in a pick and roll, and from like 16, 18 feet, kind of just turn around and uh, knock it down. Um, you know, it's it's funny, Ben. I told you I didn't have an NBA comp for him, but one just hit me. I see a I see a stronger and athletic Lamarcus Aldridge who can actually shoot the three ball because he's gonna the reason he's number one on my board is his skill his skill set offensively is so translatable that there's I don't want to say there's zero chance he's 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 bad but like there's a very little chance he cannot average ten to twelve points a game in the NBA day one for the rest of his life. Because he's six foot ten, great wingspan. What's his wingspan? You're you're the big wingspan guy. What seven three? <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you you and your wingspans. Um, I do like it, wingspans. And and the turnaround jump shot from 16, 18 is going to be unstoppable for him. I just I just see that it, it's going to translate. And then defensively, he's going to be able to guard some fives. Definitely going to guard at seven foot two. So we were we were. Close seven foot two wingspan. Um, he's gonna be able to guard some some fives, um, and definitely some some you know he's gonna guard mostly fours and threes. But the thing about Jabari defensively that really excites me is just as a help side defender and 
the fact that he got to do that this year in the SEC, having to work with Walker Kessler, another big, and learning how to be on the court at 6'10", and, you know, kind of playing around the perimeter defensively while also getting some rim protection, that just excites me as a, as the two-way potential. Um, and his his floor is immense. So, yeah, I don't I don't see a lot of downsides, but there are some, and we'll get into it right now. Uh, weaknesses for him, it the the playmaking ability is just not there, and yeah, it's it's yeah, and I don't think it's that he can't process the game at all. Like I don't think it's that. I just don't think he's probably ever been really asked to playmake. Um, and you know, if you can just shoot over everyone and make the shot, I, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't. So, but his his weaknesses besides that obviously is handle, you know, that, that kind of goes into this playmaking handle vision. Um, you know, he can definitely improve on some of those. And then he's, he's a great defender when he gets switched on to guards, but obviously like most big men, they can always improve on that a little bit. So that can, you know, that can certainly be improved in terms of his NBA comp. Like I said, probably a, just a more athletic three-point shooting LaMarcus Aldridge, um, I've seen the Richard Lewis comps like those as well. He's just, he's a tall guy with a silky smooth jumper and then NBA fit and where I think he could best go. All three of them. Um, he's, he's the kind of player. I think all 30 teams, he could, he could literally go in every single NBA team and he, you would find a way to use him. Like he's that kind of player, but I, I do like the Orlando pairing. I would, I'd prefer if OKC got him, to be honest with you. That was mine, too. I like him more on OKC. I like him way more on OKC. Um, I don't like the Chet stuff to OKC as much as everyone else. I just like having Poku and Chet on the the same screen together would would even upset me, and I don't mind that kind of stuff. I don't mind the the real skinny prospects, so – um yeah i'd 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 love i'd love jabari on okc i I think he'd be incredible there but i do think he goes number one overall yeah i think so too uh i actually didn't even write that much about him shooting the ball just because i've watched him so much he can shoot the ball from every level uh i kind of remember about his other stuff i think he has great length and anticipation uh to meet guys at the rim for shot blocks Constant energy and hustle I see out of him all the time. Not exactly the competitiveness we were talking about Apollo, but he's he's always hustling. He's always has good energy on the court. He does have the ability off the dribble to pull up really well, which I really like. And I also love his triple threat game. I think uh, he, he does really well. Triple threats, jabs the guy off and pulls up. And he's very switchable on defense. Uh, I think he's really good on defense. I will say one of the weaknesses I saw in a lot of his games was the bigger guys. Once they got into his chest, it was kind of over. He didn't really have the upper body strength or the explosion in his legs once he got knocked back to get back up and shoot. Uh, but he, I think he is switchable on defense. I think he will be able to guard guards, and he'll be able to guard some fives, I think. But uh, I, I had some weaknesses, not a lot. I said uh, his rebounding and boxing out. I don't. It's not really an energy thing. I. I mean, I guess he'll get taught more to rebound and box out, but he never really had the inside leverage he needed to box out larger players. Even though he has a great wingspan, you think he'd be a better uh, rebounder. His his off ball defense, other than his roving to shot blocks to block shots, just wasn't there. He he kind of lost this guy a lot on back cuts and stuff. 
And then the only other thing was, you know, at 610 and how explosive he is, you'd think his finishing at the rim would be better than 52%, which uh, I think he's going to have to be better at that in the NBA at his size and his explosiveness. I think he should be a lot better than that. And hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll come into that in the NBA. But I, I'm with you. I like the OKC fit. Uh, I think that he'll be really good with those two guards. Um, I don't love the Orlando fit either. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it's okay. it. It's fine. It's fine. Like we said, he can fit on any team in the league. Yeah. I liked a lot what Ryan Russillo said. He said, you know, if you have pieces, you take Jabari. If you don't have any pieces at all, you take Paulo. And if you have nothing to lose, you take Chet. And I really think that Jabari, if you have anything, he can fit in with anything. He can play a three. He can play a four. He can be a shooter. He can be on ball. He can be off ball if you need him to. I really think he has a large range of abilities, and uh, I think he'll be really good. 100% agree. And uh, one last thing on Jabari Smith. Um, I, I You're going to see – kind of on the flip side of what I said about Paulo in terms of competitive nature, you'll probably see some of the opposite on Jabari where you might hear a little bit about his passiveness and stuff like that. Um, as someone who's watched Auburn all year long and, and was on the Auburn bandwagon and then immediately got off um, heading into the tournament, if you had to play with Katie Johnson and Wendell Green and you had Doing Bruce Pearl stuff all the time. and you had Bruce Pearl as your coach, and I didn't hear one time about you complaining about you uh, physically hurting one of the players, which would have been justified. That says a lot about you as a teammate, as a professional, as a player. So good on you, Jabari Smith, because that situation was toxic as all hell. And um, talk about worst fit. If he had to go <laughs> to Houston and play with Kevin Porter and Jalen Green. And again, I like those. Those people are obviously monumentally better than uh than Wendell Green and Katie Johnson and I love both of them as prospects but th- they're kind of black holes like let's just call it what it is they're fine players but they're black holes I would feel so bad for Jabari but let's yeah I wouldn't like that either let's move on to uh probably the most controversial prospect in the draft besides uh the mystery man himself and uh we'll, we'll reveal the mystery man on the next podcast when we get into tier two guys um Chet Holmgren yeah, uh, I just could see Chet going a lot of different ways as a player, as a fit, as his. I think he has probably the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. Uh, but man, he has a lot of things he does really well for his size. He's great in the dunker spot. Maybe one of the best college players that I've ever seen in the dunker spot. Understands his playing within our post player for him to understand right off the bat where his space needs to be for the double and he can receive a pass and dunk it. I thought was really good. His stroke. I love his stroke. I think he's going to be a great shooter. He, he shoots it in good rhythm. Uh, he's a good helper on defense. He roves. He, he shot blocks. I think he's awesome at that. He shows a willingness to get involved in loose balls. He dove on the floor a lot. I think he's a really competitive player. Doesn't fall, doesn't fall for pump fakes. Stays on his feet. Is a really solid defender. Um, you know, knows his limitations and plays around them. He doesn't allow a guy to get into his chest because he knows he'll get knocked back. He kind of uses his body to, to contort around him and even let it, let the guy around him at times because he knows he can follow up on the backside and block the shot before he he gets it up on the rim. Uh, great defensive rebounding instincts as well. Uh, he was a good offensive rebounder this year. 
you know, uh, he was able to show the ball to people and drive around him as well. Uh, something that I think he's going to have to do in the NBA on, you know, less mobile bigs. I think he's going to be able to do that. And uh, I think all his skills are going to translate pretty well. I just think, I don't know, Casey, what are you worried about? I mean, I, th- I think everyone knows what, uh, when you look at Chet Holmgren and it doesn't matter who you are, you could show your grandma this, Ben. Um, also, if you're listening, uh, Grandma Terrell, uh, shout out to you. But uh, show, show you, go home, show your grandmas a picture of Chet Holmgren and ask them, what do you think his weakness in the NBA will be? And I promise you, you'll get the, you'll get the same response every single time. He's he's a string bean, man. I mean, like, like let's just let's just call it what it is. Um, he's only been playing basketball since the eighth grade. Um, I don't know if you know this story, but there's a story. Uh, if you just type in Chet Holmgren AAU tryouts, he showed up to AAU tryouts in eighth grade with uh, cargo shorts on. Like just this skinny, lanky kid in a white T-shirt and cargo shorts in eighth grade. And uh, his his journey and his his ascendance really to, to this spot has happened since then. He's, he's got all the tools in terms of understanding the game. That's like, that's to me, that's his biggest strength. It's just his high level of understanding the game, uh, seeing the game overall, seeing open cutters, seeing the help defender come in where the, you know, where to help for the help on defense, um, you know, rotations on defense were incredible. The fact that he was able to go to Gonzaga and uh, play high-level minutes right away like that, and and not and not get in the way. Like I think that's something you see a lot, a lot of times with these big five-star freshmen is when they go to a big-time school, they don't know how to contribute without getting in the way. Um, a perfect example of that's like someone like Peyton Watson with UCLA, right? Where he joined a competing team, both five-star talents. Obviously, you know, Chet's a little bit more in that elite upper, uh, echelon than uh, Peyton Watson, but Peyton Watson is still a five-star, and, you know, Peyton Watson kind of struggled to fit in, right? Um, so Chet's strength for him to just fit in overall with a contending team like that was very impressive. The thing is, though, when you're built like that and uh, you have that kind of lack of size, right, your positioning defensively has to be perfect. Um, and, th- and that goes from everything, whether you're positioned as a rim, as a rim protector, where you're, where you're positioned on the pick and roll. And to not say that Chet's positioning's bad per se, um, you know, he does get under the basket a few times here and there. Every big guy does that. Um, you know, there's a couple screens where, you know, maybe, maybe he shouldn't hedge or maybe he should hedge or maybe he should drop where he doesn't. Um, but that's fine. It's just when you're built like that, it kind of has to be perfect, especially when they do start posting you up and you do start getting ISOs on you on, on the weak side, you know, right now, all, all it's going to take is like one cross screen, like box to box. And you just throw the ball into the post and it's like, all right, cook them. And I just, I, I, I worry about that. Um, he's, he's going to have to guard. He's going to have to guard like threes, honestly, to start, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to be sticking him on, probably the best three-point shooter and just say like, Hey, you know, if he runs high, just, just go under the screens and try to get your big hands out there um, and just stay in the corner and, and, and rotate and, and be a rim, rim protector like that. And then his handle's good. Um, it, it is a little exposed sometimes when he drives, 
and he kind of leaves it out and, you know, guards and wings can, can definitely take it and go the other way. Um, not to say he doesn't have good handle for a big guy. I'm not saying that at all. It's just, it can't, it can get a little leaky. Um, he's, he's got the guard traits though. And you love to see that with your big guys. So that's kind of why he's going top three. Um, yeah. The, tra- the only other thing I had uh, that, that you didn't mention was he does have the tendency sometimes to make lazy passes. Um, he does. I'm not sure he's all the way there in terms of maybe running your offense around him at the post and him doing dribble handoffs and, you know, feeding back to our cuts and that kind of thing. I think he really needs to improve on that because I think he will have the ball at the high post a lot and be asked to do some of those things. Uh, in Casey, I know we've been bashing on Houston as a place to go. I actually really like Houston. I would love if Houston got Chet Holmgren. I think I think if they got Chet Holmgren, that would be the best possible fit for him. And the reason is Chet. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. This is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's the highest compliment ever I can give to a basketball player. Chet does not have to score to impact the game, and if you like, if you ask Chet Holmgren, I don't know if he would tell you this, but if you just watch Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga and you've watched him in high school, like he'd be perfectly content playing a playing a game of basketball, like a pickup game, um, maybe scoring like one point on a dunk and then having like seven blocks, three, four assists, two, three nice extra passes, um, you know, some some good helps here and there. Like he's his understanding of of the game is is so high and. I think Houston def- desperately needs someone to come in and be unselfish, but also impact the game in, in the highest way. And that's Chet Holmgren. I just don't think he gets there, unfortunately. I don't think he gets there either. Him and Singun would be a lot of fun. And I think him running the uh, pick and roll with their ball handlers would also be great, providing a, a pop option and more three-point shooting for their team. I, I think that would be really fun. Yeah, and, and he's he's got a stroke on him. That's I mean, all, all three of these guys, like I don't I don't care what you want to look at their three point numbers for. Um, all three of them have great shots. Like just Absolutely. Uh, just in terms of just watching their form, it's all it's all very good. So um three fantastic but, players. Yeah, but uh you know, move on some superlatives here. I, I think we already said who we like the best. I, I think you like Jabari the best, and I like Paulo the best. Um what's the deciding factor for you, I guess? The deciding factor for me is that Jabari's Jabari's so raw, but somehow he's so damn good. And it's like, how are you? How are you this level of established in terms of winning SEC Player of the Year? But you have so many other things to work on. And Paulo, it's like he's he's already cooking but what else can paula really develop where you're like oh that's going to take him to the next level it's it's more of just continuing to harness your strengths and not to say that that's not impressive i just think jabari like the world's kind of his oyster in terms of basketball and his upside's huge and then when you factor in his his dad played played college basketball and did he play in the nba i know i'm sure he played professionally overseas but um it's just the pedigree is there the competitive nature is there and like i said he had he had katie johnson and wendell green as his point guards man like paulo paulo was playing with uh like future nba players he had he had katie johnson and wendell green like i cannot stress how bad these people are like at getting your best player the ball oh the coach wasn't great at it either 
But... Oh, well, oh, Bruce Pearl's <laughs> Bruce Pearl's there to uh, you know talk through porters and drop bags, man. Like let's be honest. For me, the design factor for Paulo is really the playmaking. I just saw such an improvement that the last 15, 20 games. I think he has probably a better handle and way better vision at this point. And his body's just there already. I just think first day, his body's there. He can hold up to the the bruises of a full NBA season. We see in the playoffs every single year, all these players get hurt. I, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys. that He, he seems to be always well-conditioned, strong, lower and upper body. But just the playmaking really shows me a lot. I just think, like we were talking about Chet, I don't know if he has to score the ball to be an effective basketball player. I think he does a lot of other things well. And uh, he finishes at the rim with a lot of strength. And yeah, that I'm not, I'm not saying Jabari can get there in terms of the playmaking and the, and the strength at the rims sort of things, but uh, I could see him not getting there is, is what I'm saying. And Paul is already there. Definitely agree. All right. Who's, who's going to win the MVP out of these three? If you were to just, you know, maybe none of them win, but it was just a lifetime bet. $100 net you, whatever the odds will be. Um, and if the three of them don't win it, then you get nothing back. Who are you betting out of these three? None of them? I would say Paulo, just because I think he's his, I don't know. I just think his lowest floor is still a good alt. Like he just still will do everything well. And uh, maybe he could have a huge year, but. I, I don't I don't know. That's that's tough. I mean, if you're asking who's could be the best player, who if everyone plays up to their full potential, who's the best? I think it's Chet. Um, I think Chet could be one of those players that kind of changes the way basketball is played and the way you scout and uh, draft players. Uh, the things he can do for his size are just ridiculous. And if he can put on the weight and keep all of his skills where they're at, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say none of them. Um, but <laughs> you just said you get your money back if nobody wins. I know. So <laughs> if I were to put my money on one of them, I, I would also probably put it on Chet. Um, even though I, I know you like it, it, if I'm just assuming everything comes together, I'd say Chet just because of everything else he can do to impact the basketball game besides score. And if he does pack on some size, it's it's gonna look it's gonna look ridiculous. Um, like he's gonna he's gonna have like 22, 17, 14, 5 stat lines. It's it's gonna be very um just very interesting. So he's he's definitely got the highest ceiling for me. If it all comes together, it's just that's a big if, and that's kind of why we have Jabari and Paulo a little bit higher, just because the if the if uh more of safe bets yeah yeah the if variable isn't isn't as high um so uh case hold on if we go by we don't want to assume anything here of course but there's a lot of murmurs jabari's gonna go number one and chet's gonna go number two and paulo's gonna go number three so that would put jabari in orlando chet no kc and paulo in houston i think that's what's gonna happen too okay Who's going to have the best year one if that happens? I'm going to say Jabari um, because I think these I think these bad Eastern Conference teams are a lot more ready to compete 
than like we think they are. Like we can look at them from the outside and say, you're so far away. But w- when you talk to Detroit Pistons fans, they think, man, we just got to nail this pick. And we're like right there. Indiana Pacers fans, they, they, they hate tanking. Like they love basketball. They just want to be back in the playoffs. Washington Wizards, same thing with the Magic. Like they have. I suppose have, the Sacramento, Houston, and OKC. Yeah. Like I think those teams have no desire to compete this year. And I'm not saying that they're not trying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying they they kind of know they can't. When you look at the when you look at the top when you look at the uh, middle to bottom tier talent in the West compared to the East, it's just it's it's greater in the West because the play ends going to incentivize that. And there's just there's way more teams in the West, and they're young and they're established too. So. I'm going to go with Jabari because the magic, I think they're going to be ready to compete. And, you know, they, they have, they have some guards in their team. Do I like any of them? No, but they're certainly, they certainly play basketball and they're certainly good <laughs> um, at doing well, stuff like I'm, shout out Cole Anthony. Remember, remember when, uh, you know, college basketball though. Remember when Cole Anthony uh, hit that shot against Duke though? Yep. That was fire. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're talking about Orlando's guards aren't that good. I actually really like OKC's guards, and I think Chet might have a really good year around those two guards. Um, I have no idea what they do with the five with him playing at the four, but I could just see a world where he becomes a pick-and-pop and pick-and-roll god with Shy and with Josh Giddy. Uh, You know, Josh Giddy just kind of showed us the tip of what he's – capable of we all know what shy is he's an all-star level player i think and uh if they keep taking steps forward and really combine with chet to create some lethal pick and roll and pick and pop scenarios i think maybe chet just has a huge year shooting the basketball and um when we all talked about all the little other things he can do i just i love paulo i, I would hate for him to go to houston i just uh, don't, um, think don't that's do gonna it work out i just don't think it's gonna work out i'd rather houston trade down or something but uh but wait but yeah. you know it's but, but i will say this though i think obviously paulo wants to do number one like like every player wants to do number one but like pa- paulo is a big time guy man like the you I know you saw the uh F1 the Formula One oh yeah interview he wants, where he got where he got he wants to be an international superstar where he got mistaken for Patrick Mahomes but like he didn't miss a beat like he didn't say like who's Patrick like, no nah, I belong like, here. I belong. exactly like so I think there's an element of that to him for sure and like if he goes to a big city like Houston I maybe I gives just, him more confidence. It wouldn't surprise me if he just like alphas Jalen Green out the Maybe way. He does. And I will say this: uh, our rival, you know, known longtime rival Bill Simmons, had Jalen Green recently on his podcast, and I think Jalen Green did hint that he kind of realizes he needs to be more of a playmaker. Um, so maybe Paulo comes in and is like, hey, look, man, like just give me the ball and get out the way. Um, and just kind of back cutting. Can they trade Kevin Porter though? Can Kevin Porter anyone? That? But. <laughs> Man, I love Kevin Porter. Like, I like all – if you are a Seattle high school hooper who gets buckets, I will be your biggest fan. So, uh, I'm letting you know, Paulo, Bencaro, Taris, and, like, I, I'm I'm going to support you because you are a Seattle hooper. But, my man, 
KPJ. I, I was a big fan of him as a high school prospect. I was a big fan of him as an NBA prospect, but he's just a black hole. It's so bad. He does. He's he's the Wendell Green of uh, <laughs> he is. He's the Wendell Green of the NBA. <laughs> All right, no, enough bashing on the Houston Rockets and, and yeah, I'm other sorry. players, I'm but sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up for the day. Uh, we just wanted to include all these three guys together. Just feel like these are the special guys of the group. Uh, you can look ahead. We're going to have a big board coming out. We're going to have more podcasts coming out, evaluating some players um, throughout the month and into ne- uh, next month after they get drafted, breaking down their situations. And then we'll get back into college basketball sometime, you know, in, in the late summer. But until then, it's going to be all NBA draft stuff over here at On the Line. And uh, we can't wait to give it to you. See, See you. Ya.